Hi, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Friday Reporter Podcast. I'm Lisa, your host, and this podcast is in partnership with PR Daily. PR Daily is a great resource for communicators like me. I drop in there to get my training, to get more information about what's going on in the industry, and really just to learn more about what my colleagues are up to as well. So to find more episodes of the podcast, please join me there at prdaily.com or uh, join me at the website, which is fridayreporter.com. And if you like the show, be sure to leave a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, because that really helps get the word out about the podcast and the work that we're doing here to get you guys to know more about the reporters that cover your industry. Hello, and thanks again for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast. I'm super excited. Jerry Rogers, the editor for Real Clear Health and host of WBAL News Radio in Baltimore, uh, is with me today. Jerry, thanks so much for being with me. Oh, this is great fun. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. You and I talk a lot uh, about lots of things anyway. So it's nice to put it on the record and, and, and talk about what we're up to. I love it. I do. That, and that's, I think the whole, for me, it, that's the most fun about the podcast is that a lot of the folks that I'm chatting with are folks that I do get to work with on a frequent basis, but sometimes there are people that I have never even met before, but now like have an opportunity to go back and pitch them on stories and other things. Um, yeah. Jerry, you've got such a rich background. I want you to share with me, how is it, how'd you get into this? How'd you get started? Well, I mean, to, you know, as as my Irish mother would say, to make a long story longer. No, I won't do that. <laughs> um, well, what happened was, I've always worked in uh, politics. Mm. I've always worked in policy. I worked for a member of Congress. I worked for a state representative. I, I was a, a teacher. So ideas always mattered to me. I wanted to advance ideas. I wanted to make a difference. You know, to do good in the world. And so, what happened was. I, I got involved with think tanks. So I worked at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. I worked at the Manhattan Institute. I was a health fellow at Aspen, the Aspen Institute. Um, I, I've done work over at the American Enterprise Institute. But when I did work with these think tanks, it was mostly as public affairs mm-hmm. or it was development. And I really had this kind of senior fellow envy. I wanted to be uh, the person writing. I wanted to be the person giving testimony before a state legislature. I, I wanted to do these things. I wanted to be involved in the ideas, not just the advancing the ideas. I wanted to be about articulating them and writing them. And so long story short, uh, I, I went to pharma mm-hmm. and, and spent a lot of years there. And so got to know healthcare policy well. And when I left pharma, uh, real clear, real clear, politics uh, approached me because I had done work with them while at Pharma. Mm-hmm. And they said, look, we have this uh, site, Real Clear Health. Um, it's, 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 it's more or less dormant. It's, it, it, it will publish uh, once a week, but we'd like someone to come on board and, and renew it and, and make it something that's a daily. Yeah. And so I, I jumped at it. It was my chance to get involved in ideas. And, 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 but this was interesting because it's real clear. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm a center right guy, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, but real clear offers uh, offers the, the reader, uh, uh, those who you know come to the website, both sides of the story. Yep. And so for the first time, I really had to think how a journalist should think. And that is, you know, how do we present ideas in a way that's accurate, that's fair 
and uh, and Real Clear is um, is mostly an aggregator. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will uh, I'll post fourteen pieces per day, and of the fourteen, maybe four are original, right. and then ten are from other other places. But uh, but I, I've I've therefore learned from other journalists and how they're presenting ideas and how they're making their argument, and so. So the real clear health hat is legit journalism, uh, trying to look at the entire story, present uh, the facts uh, and, and, and that sort of thing. Now, my WBAL hat mm. is a is commentary. And that's where I get to argue ideas, uh-huh. not just present them, but make an argument uh, where 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 I stand on an issue. And so, again, uh, this is where I landed, but it all started with working for industry, working in politics and, and being a school teacher, just wanting to, to be in the business of ideas, the ideas factory. Yeah. Does your work, how does your work at Real Clear spill into the radio show for you? Because I know that the radio show is, is even more than just health. How does that, how does one inform the other? Well, you know, it's interesting because what I have to do often is disclose on the radio. So if I have someone on, uh, say, a guest from the Washington Post uh, who's a healthcare journalist, I'll disclose, oh, by the way, I'm also the uh, editor at Real Clear Health. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have to be mindful uh, that what I present on the radio uh, is also a reflection uh, on Real Clear Health. So therefore, um, I have to be, uh, the phrase I use is uh, civil, uh, spirited yet civil. <laughs> and so I think, think how it informs uh, me on the radio is I think it disciplined me just to, again, not make things personal, uh, uh, to, to, to exercise judgment, to have a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, too, is you're right, the radio show is myriad topics. Uh, I also, uh, at Real Clear, I do other uh, I do other things for them, uh, uh, books and culture, uh, real clear policy. I write on occasion for real clear politics, and so even though my uh, my bread and butter, so to speak, is healthcare, mm-hmm. I really am a jack of all trades when 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 you get down to it. Right, right, and that's and it's great. I'm sure that for for you, it's also just keeps things interesting, right? Because as much as real clear health is a priority one, there's lots of other opportunities for you to be talking about um, other issues as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, you know, uh, I, I said I said this to you off off mic before we started. I grew up on talk radio. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember being in college and working construction jobs like all good Irish Irish kids did in the Bronx <laughs> in New Jersey. Um, and, you know, I'm listening to the radio and all of a sudden this guy comes on Rush Limbaugh and I had never heard of him before. Yeah. And I, you know, I had my Walkman, you know, I'm dating myself. I, have my walk <laughs> I was going to say you're dating yourself now, Jerry, and, although I had a Walkman. And, too. <laughs> and, and so but I but I and I, and I like the Rush Limbaugh show because it was policy. It was uh, current events. And, and, and when Rush started, it was a lot of humor, too. It was. And so I always thought to myself, if I ever did a talk radio show, I would do it like that. I would just tell the facts as I saw them and, and try to have some and, and do it in a way that that offers some some humor and some lightheartedness as well. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's what people look for. I mean, we're certainly in a very, very spirited time here in the country. There's a lot of um, vitriol and unhappiness. And we're going to leave that on a shelf for another day because I really, I've dedicated most of my time in this podcast to talk more about sort of the business and the the news and the the way that these things come together. Because I I still think that there's a real value in people understanding um, your point of view, right? And I think that that's kind of the value that I've been trying to demonstrate here is kind of what is it that that Jerry Rogers cares about and what are you focused on but so much of what you do is is seeing around the corner looking for trends looking for things and how they're changing will you tell me I mean you started in this business um, a while ago now and and the world has really changed in terms of the way news comes together talk to me a little bit about trends and things you see that are working or not working um, in the newsroom from your point of view well, I mean, number one, I I think we're at a we're 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 in a in a moment now where sometimes editors and and uh, and those who kind of run the newsroom are afraid about being first, you know. Uh. But you're and what I mean by that is this: I remember during the COVID lockdowns, um, I started doing some shows, and I also started publishing some pieces on how the lockdowns might be detrimental. And I remember, and again, you know, I had those with more experience and those from the newsroom, uh, 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 especially at WBAL, who came to me and said, Jerry, uh, hey, please go forward with what you want to say and how you want to say it, but be mindful. You don't want to be wrong on this. Mm, that's a and, good point. And I, right. And I mentioned that because there, there really is that fear of you don't want to be wrong. But then again, you know, I look back at the last, three or four years. I mean, I remember three, four years ago writing about telehealth and people telling me, forget about it. Uh, Elderly people, senior citizens will never want to do telehealth. Uh, Well, excuse me, right now, Medicare right uh, is, is exploding with telehealth. And, and and three, four years ago, no one, no one wanted to talk about it because they thought it was, it was a ridiculous idea. No way is my 77 year old mom going to do a telehealth appointment. Well, they're doing it now. And yes. so, and, and, and so that's kind of the fun of this, right? We get to look at issues uh, and see what's coming up. I, I'll tell you something. I've been talking about this for years. Uh, the kind of public private partnership in uh, that's the future for healthcare reform. It's not going to be all free market uh, or it's not going to all be Medicare for all. If you look at the greatest medical reform, uh, healthcare reform over the last uh, couple of decades, uh, uh, Operation Warp Speed, which was public-private, right? It was the yes. private sector partnering with government. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also it was the, the 2003 Medicare Modernization Act. Again, it was industry partnering with government, uh, bringing in competition, but also allowing for the safety net and for appropriate uh, appropriate subsidies and that sort of thing. And I think, again, you know, looking ahead, trends. Yes. I think the trend in healthcare is going to be more public-private partnerships and less dogma, less um, uh, less uh, ideology, and more and more practical intelligence. I just again, not to not to rant, but That's I okay. just talked to a guy who who uh, who um, who runs a a bunch of clinics, valued-based uh, clinics, mm-hmm. and he puts these clinics in urban areas. 
mm. because there are healthcare deserts, like we hear about food deserts. Yeah. And the thing is, is that they turn a profit as their patients stay healthy. And they partner with, right, they partner with Medicare, they partner with, uh, with state programs, and the incentive is to get their patients uh, uh, utilizing their medicines, getting in to see their doctors, uh, health checks, et cetera. And, and, it's, uh, and you turn a profit on health, you don't turn a profit on sickness. And therefore, that could be something around the corner, you know, something mm-hmm. that we might see uh, a more mainstream years from now. Yeah. There's no question that COVID and, and sort of the, all of the obstacles that, that the quarantine presented have really sort of opened our eyes to new yes. and thoughtful and innovative ways of, of making things happen. I mean, really, I think that you're absolutely right. That, that the warp speed was remarkable the way that came together. I mean, that is that is an example of the way the world should work, right? The public and private connection that was that was happening there was the kind that's the kind of cooperation and the kind of uh, things we need to see happening on a lot of different areas. I mean, you know, not like I said, we're not going into the nasty politics of the world right now, but no, but, but I do but, think but, that that yeah. if you could set some of that other nonsense aside and really get back to brass tacks, get back to government helping private sector, private sector helping government, we could really solve some problems and do some things that would be remarkable yeah. for the for the and, country. And, and 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 the thing is, there um, the media has an important role to play there because we need we need. We need honest brokers, honest actors Mm -hmm. to call balls and strikes. And I think that, um, look, the last several years, um, uh, we have we have been at each other. You you mentioned this already. But again, let's look. Let's let's look forward. You know, know, I'm seeing more and more um, uh, the attitude where where those those journalists I know want to call balls and strikes. Yep. They want to do their job. That's and right. the folks I know in politics and policy want to do the same. So maybe if, if, if we say we want to be this way, those of us who say it, if we just do it, maybe enough folks will catch on and 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 we'll we'll have a better public discourse for it. Boy, I sure hope. I hope you're right, Jerry. And that's <laughs> and that's why we're here today, right? To talk about that because I do think there's look this. It's all. I mean, the the you know the the founders really. It was a it was a system of checks and balances, keeping one another right. all in check, and that's really the role that you play every day when you are you know not only original reporting, but also seeking out stories from journalists that are telling smart healthcare stories and sharing those, not just, um, you know, there's this competition, certainly, and I, I love that you brought up not maybe always being first because there is a bit of a risk in that. And I, for yeah. so long, that has been the, that has been the, you know, chase that brass ring, get the exclusive, get the new, the fresh, the, the that, but so much of that now has become a game of tell the story and then change the story when you realize you don't have all of the information. And so that's interesting yep. that you're saying now that that looks to be a thoughtful way that journalists are maybe take a pause. And, and you, we even saw that with, um, with that docket that was uh, released from the Supreme court. Like I think that yep. even Politico as a, as a news outlet who is, who is known for having sort of the culture of, get it first, they were even very, very cautious and careful and and quick to make sure that what they had was in fact 
what they thought they had. And that's, that's good to hear. Um, because I think that that's something that, that is really necessary in the work that you do get it right. Um, tell me a little though, I mean, you and I both, we both shared a moment where we both talked about how we love to do radio and how radio is fun to do and how podcasting is kind of the new fresh, fast way to get information out. How do you come to the, how do you come to the show every week? Like, you know, what is it? Are you trying to talk about news that's fresh on the scene? Are you looking for, like, if I'm calling you up and saying, Hey, Jerry, I've got an idea for the radio show. Like what kinds of stories are you looking for there? Well, you know, um, and again, every talk show is different. Uh, uh, most talk shows are topical, like what's hot in the moment. Mm. And of course I do that, you know, uh, play the hits. My, my uh, station director will say to me often, Jerry, play the hits, play the hits. And the hits are, watch the big news, watch the big story this day. However, now that I've done it, I've done it now for four years, I also have themes. And so I like to keep on themes. And so for our show, for every problem I will introduce in a segment, uh, like for instance, we're in Baltimore. So crime's a big issue. So it's not enough for me to do a segment on crime. I want to do a segment on what are some solutions? I love that. How do we fix it? And so that my talk show really is kind of a back and forth. Here's the problem, but here, here's how I would fix it. I won't mention a topic. There are two topics I won't touch. One, uh, where I don't have some kind of, this is how we should address it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just, you know, it's, it's, it's like being like a, 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 a church following, you know, going to church and telling your pastor or, hey, we should do this. And then, or you should do this. No, um, this is a good idea. I'll do it for you. You know what I mean? So the same thing here, if I raise an issue on the show, I want to be able to address it fully, not just, not just get people riled up, but, but, but have some kind of solution. Might not be perfect, but don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Right. That's right. And, and, and gotta get start somewhere. uh, Right. And the second thing is I won't speculate. You know, like like and again, for instance, in Baltimore, the um, the state's attorney is uh, is under federal uh, indictment. Mm. But I have no idea the facts, the details of the case. So even though it's a big story, I won't touch it because I just don't know. Now, once I get information, once the trial goes forward, then maybe I'll comment on it. But I don't like to speculate. I like to have the facts in front of me. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, the talk show, I'll put my thumb on the scale in terms of my opinion, but it's always going to be fact-based opinion. Right. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I think that's something too, like uh, my husband and I watch the John Oliver show, um, which is like a weekly show. And I kind of love it because he does, he comes up with, he offers up a lot of conversation about really issues that are, you know, really needing attention. But sometimes I, I walk away from that and I think, but what, what can we do? Like, and, and he, I feel like, these later episodes that I'm watching now, the ones that are more current, he is doing that. Um, offering, you know, here's the things we should be doing. We should reach out to members. We can. I love that because there's nothing that gets me more um, emotional than watching that kind of coverage or hearing that kind of radio show. But then yeah. help me, help me understand it, and then help me help help target me so that I can get to you know what is it I can do right. to help. No, this I love is why that. this this is why sometimes there are certain cable shows that I don't watch anymore because all they do is spin me up. Yes. And at the end of the show, I'm just so, I just, I'm so frustrated and crazy. You feel a little hopeless uh, too. Like, I mean, I feel like offering a a way to channel that frustration and go and do something about it is a great approach. 
Yeah. And in public policy, right? Look, you and I like ideas. We like politics and policy. So we're in the business of looking for solutions. Mm -hmm. That's the business we're in. And so therefore, especially on the talk on the talk show, uh, if you know, again, I'll mention an issue, but then I'm going to give I'm going to give what my you know, what what my prescription would be to fix it. I love that. Yeah. All right. So when you're not doing news, because you're doing a lot of news, like what else is keeping you busy these days? Well, you know, on the radio show, if you listen to the radio show um, and it's uh, Sundays on WBAL 7 to 10 and I fill in during the week, mostly at night, uh, uh, 9 to 11. But uh, if you listen to the show, everyone calls me coach. So listeners will call in and say, coach, coach, Jerry, coach, Jerry. And that's because that's what I do in my spare time. Uh, for the past seven years, I've coached uh, varsity football and uh, track and field uh, at a high school in Frederick County in, in Maryland. Uh, but now I'm I'm taking sabbatical of high school coaching and I'm back to basics. My son is eight years old. Mm-hmm. And so I'm coaching uh, uh, little guy baseball and little guy football, uh, flag football. So in my spare time, I do a lot of coaching. Um, I have five kids, so mm-hmm. um, it, this isn't spare time. My full time, <laughs> my full time job is I, I, I I'm a dad, and I, I right. love being a dad. I try to incorporate my work with the kids. Like I'll bring the kids into the studio. Uh, my daughter Bridget has uh, interned for me at Real Clear, and it. so I'm trying to pass on the tradition of of ideas. Of ideas are important, mm-hmm. uh, and so so being a dad, being a coach. Um, I got to, my wife is awesome. I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, look, I'll be married 30 years in February. Oh, congratulations. And, 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 and you know, marriage is up and down. Not everything is always perfect, but I really feel like when I was a kid, I used to love Fridays because there was no school, no homework, go with your friends, grab a pizza, see a movie. Mm -hmm. And to me being married is like having, is like having pizza night every night. You know what I mean? And so I, I really do. And I don't mean to sound corny or silly it's or whatever. It's not corny. I love it. But, uh, but I really enjoy the coaching and being a husband and being a dad. And I'm a trustee at my church. I go to church. And, and uh, so that's, you know, I, I do a lot of that. Um, and, uh, and, and that, t- I mean, <laughs> and then, then all, it's like Groundhog's Day. And then all of a sudden it's the next day, the next day, the next day. So that's it. No, and it goes, yes. and it goes fast. And coaching your kids is really it's so hard. It's so awesome. It's it hard. is well, awesome, it, it is, and it is hard. It is. It, I know it is. But you know what? Uh, by God's grace, I've I've been able to do it. I've coached. I've coached my daughter Madeline, my daughter Grace, my daughter um, Bridget and Claire, all in track. That's why I became a track coach because I had girls and yeah. they ran track. That's awesome. My daughter Claire is still running at uh, Catholic University. She's a she's a really great four hundred sprinter, eight hundred sprinter. But now. Uh, we have a boy is the youngest. And so now I'm coaching baseball and football. And, uh, and you're right. The it's harder when, uh, when, when, uh, when Claire was in high school, I was her varsity coach. That was difficult mm-hmm. because when you get into the car and drive home and my dad or my coach, yes. And that was difficult. It is uh, however, the little guy, the eight year old, I find it much easier. And maybe because he's only eight, and, you know, if I'm coaching, if I coach him in football is, you know, varsity football, maybe, maybe I'll take a, maybe that's when I'll retire from coaching and let someone else. Coach I but don't I, know. You're right though. 
it's hard because because there is that line, you know, because you're a parent and then you're also the yeah. coach. And I I used to say to my kids when I I coached soccer, which I never awesome, played. Awesome. I never played soccer. So I, I coached like, soccer too, by the way. I, I coached little uh, little girl soccer. I little person soccer, like amoeba yes. ball. They were kind of like everywhere. But I used to say to the kids, they'd be like, "Mom," and I was like, "Out here, I'm actually not mom. I'm coach." <laughs> and I had had to try to like, because, you know, when they're that little too, like you're also, you're trying to parent them, you're trying to coach them. So I said, out here, I'm coach. And yes. when we get done, I'll be mom again. And it was, yeah, yeah. it's really hard. And that's so admirable. And I love that story about, about your wife too, because it is, this has been, you know, for some, this has been very hard, the being at home and the being um, yep. sequestered and, you know, sort of doing your thing. For me, it's been great. I've got two teenagers. I'm, I tell this story, I mean, uh, often, but like, I kind of got, felt like I got a little extra time with them at a time when yes. they are separating away. Yes. And so, yes. you know, we've made the best of it, but I, I love yeah. that. And I, and you sound, your family sounds like my family. I don't have five kids, boy. I mean, you, you win, the, you win the prize. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so Jerry, we, you and I could talk all day long, but we are coming yes. up to the end of our conversation. So I'm curious, you work with so many great journalists who among them uh, would you recommend for a future episode for the show? Well, you know, um, you know, I had dinner last night with a group of journalists, and one of the guys at dinner last night, he's the man- he's the managing editor at uh, Spectator USA, not the American Spectator. It's a different publication. It's one okay. of the oldest publications in the world. is based in the UK. His name is uh, Matt uh, McDonald, and he's such an interesting character, um, and he has a British accent, which makes uh, e- even the uninteresting things he says more interesting. <laughs> and so uh, maybe Matt, Matt would be good. Okay. And, you know, uh, and, and, and for, for, for on the radio side, um, I always love having conversations with Larry uh, O'Connor from uh, WMAL. Uh, he does um, uh, Larry and friends over there and he's great as well. He's a good guy. And so Matt or, or, or Larry, uh, would uh, would would either one would be great, and I'm sure if if we talked for the ten minutes, I could come up with 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 ten more. So well, keep but what, keep what, all the what, ideas what, coming, <laughs> keep them yes. keep them coming my way. I like I've I've said in the past, and I'll say again. I mean, there is no greater way to make a connection with a journalist than to get a recommendation from someone else. It's just a, like anything else, like who, you know, looking for a babysitter yeah. for your kids. If your friend recommends someone, you're more inclined to hire them. And if you, Jerry, recommend that I give Larry or I give Matt a shot at this great yeah. and fun podcast, I know that they're going to be even more excited and, and, to do and, it. And the, reason, and, you know, and the reason why I, I got to mention those two off the top of my head is because I listen to Larry. Mm. So I'm a, I'm a fan as well. I and that. I read, I read what Matt, what Matt publishes. And so, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a fan of both. Uh, and, and, you know, one's print, one's radio. So I figured I'd give you two since I do both as, I love as well. It. That's fantastic. Well, Jerry Rogers, this was such a treat. I'm just so <laughs> glad that you were here with me today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, it, was, it was my pleasure. It's great fun. And that's today's Friday Reporter podcast, a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. Thanks so much. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. 
You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.